And we are back. Another exciting episode of the Unfamous Friends podcast, along with my partner in pod, Derek Chia. I am Mark Redford. Derek, how are we doing tonight, man? Good, man. Good. How are you doing? Doing good. good. Doing good. You know, um, it's it's going to be a, an exciting episode. We've waited. I feel like we've waited our lifetimes for this episode. Uh, we have an exciting <laughs> guest today who has been so hard to track down, and um, I'm actually surprised we could get him here for the next 30 minutes. Hopefully, he doesn't live in the middle of uh, everything, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> He's very, very elusive, <laughs> very elusive guest. Uh, we have our friend Cabdul on with us today. Cabdul, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. Tell us, uh, obviously, Derek and I know you pretty well. You know, you know Derek significantly better than me, but you and I have hung out several times. A lot of good fun. Um, mm-hmm. For the people that don't, give us the rundown. Sure, sure. Uh, I guess best way to put it, I'm just another unfamous friend. Uh, so, <laughs> how about let, let's start from this way? How about you just start by your name? Because that's been a mission. Yes, oh, let's man. start there. Okay. That's been a major okay. point of contention. Because okay. because uh, Cabdul is actually not your that is not really my your name. legal given yes. name. Very true. I think this might be the best way to spread the word. All right, let, let's clear it up right people. now. Right from the top. Right from the top. All right. So my full legal name and the right way to say it. Your government name. My my God-given name. Just kidding. So it's Abdul Qadir Muhammad Issa. 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 You got to say the, you got to roll your tongue at the end of Irse, right? <laughs> no. I mean, you taught me that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, it's like the, um, I always tell people, it's like the, the Arabic letter Ain. Okay. So for those who speak Arabic, Arabic they would know what I'm right. talking about, but right. it's Abdul Qadir Muhammad Isa. So like the C's in my name are silent. Got it. That's the best got way it. to look at it. That makes sense. So, so my last name is like C-I-I-S-E. Mm-hmm. So you just say Isa. So for somebody somebody from like Michigan, like myself, like mm-hmm. the way that you would coach me to just say your last name would just be Ise. Ise. Like, yeah. like yeah. don't it's don't like don't try to intonation. Yeah, it's like Ise. Okay. Yeah. Without without that's the best way to put it. Without without being able to speak proper Arabic. Correct. Correct. That's gonna be the shortest path. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's honestly the best way to do it. Okay, now that that is all cleared up, tell us now let's go into who are you? Yeah, so I am a software engineer here in Grand Rapids. I work for a local company that works in logistics, Dematic Corporation. Um, I've lived in Grand Rapids and went to school here, Grand Valley for electrical engineering. Um, Pretty much most of my life, I've, yeah, most of my life I would say I've lived here in America for the past 12 years. We've moved here to the States as refugees from Somalia. Um, but prior to moving here, we've spent five years as a family in Turkey. Um, kind of a great experience for us there. Um, I've moved here with my immediate family. Um, it's kind of a fortunate thing for us to come to this country altogether. I know that quite often <clears throat> families don't make it out altogether as refugees. Right. It's most most of the time just like a sister or or a daughter that made it out mm-hmm. that's trying to get the rest of their family out uh, mm-hmm. to the states. But we've been fortunate to have all of our family here. Hey guys. We'll get back to our chat with Cabdul here in just a second, but first we wanted to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Mitten Golf Supply. We are golf nerds here on the UFF pod. We love golf. We're super excited. Golf season is right around the corner here in Michigan, so it's time to get geared up. 
I was able to connect with Jake over at Mitten Golf last year. I was looking for a really cool and distinct ball marker, and his Amen Corner Master Style ball marker was exactly what I was looking for. On their website over on Etsy, you can find an awesome list of handcrafted ball markers with everything from Master's theme, like I mentioned, to Star Wars, to custom hand-carved designs and more. He's also got some really sweet divot tools as well, from lightning bolts to Jordan logos, even beer bottle-shaped divot tools, just some really cool stuff over there. He's also going to be getting into the custom design wedges and putters here this year as well, so keep a lookout for those in the coming weeks. We'll definitely let you know when those start to drop. You can find everything that Jake and the crew at Mitten Golf Supply are churning out over on Etsy. Like I mentioned, just search Mitten Golf Supply. And don't forget to use our promo code UFFPOD, that's U-F-F-P-O-D, at checkout to get 10% off your order. These are great finishing touches for everyone's golf game. Head on over there to Etsy, uh, search Mitten Golf Supply at Etsy again to pull up their store. And don't forget to use promo code UFFPOD at checkout. Thanks again to uh, Jake and the crew over at Mitten Golf Supply for being able to sponsor us today. Now, let's get back to Cab Duel. So let's let's start there. Um, I don't know anybody else that's one ever even been to Somalia, much less lived yeah. there. I mean, you said you said you left there when you were four, five. I was, I think. Six. Six? Six. So yeah. do you have <laughs> recollection of what that was like? Do you have very strong memories of what that was like? Um, Not a, not as much. Um, I remember just for us, like, we were just indoors a lot. I can't remember too much. But most of my memories or my more fonder memories are from my time in Turkey. Um, I think that was our first time going to school, um, learning a whole different language, all different foods and everything. Uh. I'd probably say for us, there was six of us, seven of us, I guess seven of us kids at the time. Um, and one of my sisters ended up passing away in Turkey. Kind of bad memories for us there, but very grateful to say that here in America, healthcare is one of those things that we're grateful for to have. Yeah, um, man, I'm real sorry about that. I know we've talked about this before and um, just that whole circumstance of moving from you back home over here and even losing a, a loved one in, the, in that moment. So real sorry about that. Um, so yeah, um, obviously with, with you having kind of experienced that firsthand, having been displaced mm-hmm. as a refugee during a geopolitical crisis, like, like the one in Somalia at the time, and kind of looking at what's happening around the world today, looking at Ukraine, mm-hmm. that's actively going on. We're seeing families being separated. Uh, we don't know what toll that's going to be right in terms of total deaths from the direct war or indirectly with just a lack of healthcare and all that. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, just looking at what's happening right now, how, I'm just curious to know, how do you view it from your lens yeah. having kind of lived that life uh, mm-hmm. firsthand? Um, I think it's very traumatic with what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, it's, it's very sad and unfortunate thing that's happening. And, and definitely my heart and mind is with those in Ukraine. Right. Um, it's, it's crazy with, with, with that event. Um, I saw a picture from CNN um, that showed a train station with a bunch of strollers and moms just pretty much like running for their lives, just carrying their kids in their arms. And it's very sad and kind of just brings bad memories for me, right. um, especially in the 21st century. This is one of those things I did not expect to for us to be going through, right. especially with COVID and everything going on. It's like... 
It's like, why are we going? It almost seems like archaic, like to be fighting in a war in the 21st going, century. Yeah, like you're going backward in yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something like I don't have any experience with what, that I can empathize with you. So like one, it's it's super insightful just listening to you talk about it. Two, the, the only experience that I have with that, like to even somewhat relate what's going on now is like, what we've seen in like old world war two documentaries and stuff like that. Like you see those old black and white films or something like some of them been converted to color or whatever now, but like Mm -hmm. literally tanks just rolling through Europe and like all these crazy things. And like, Mm -hmm. there's clips of literally that same stuff happening right now in Ukraine, which is just mind blowing. Like it's, it's something that it was so long ago. I never thought that that would actually happen now with two sovereign nations Mm -hmm. that are like, generally not like things are were pretty relatively calm from what i understood i mean mm-hmm. nothing nothing compared to like what we're seeing now which yeah. is just nuts right? yeah I, I think i think for me the biggest thing that i can relate to is like the nationalists in ukraine because we've had that in somalia and it's a little different like we we were in the civil war and ukraine is obviously going through a war with another nation um and all the nationalists are deciding to stay. It's like, this is our home. This is like, you know, where everything is for us. There's no way you're going to kick me out of my own home. Um, and it's the same thing in Somalia. So like our family decided to escape. My dad was like, like, I realized the rest of my family doesn't want to go. I can't convince them to go because they love where they're at. And this is their home. This is where all their immediate family is. Um, so it's the same thing, but my dad was like, I need to go, I need to run, and need to save my kids. So I see the same thing in Ukraine, mm-hmm. those leaving and those deciding to stay, and I respect both sides. Um, but I really feel bad for those that are staying behind, not that they need to leave, but it's just my heart is really with them, with everything they're going through. Yeah, it's it's definitely really tough. Like I can't even start thinking about the toll that is going to have, right? Like the pain people are already going through right now, but what's going to even happen going forward so um our hearts and prayers definitely go out to people in ukraine and people around the world going through similar uh, circumstances that is just not being um televised Mm -hmm. um yeah so uh do you remember do you remember what that felt like that moment with the moment when your parents came in like hey we gotta go like do you remember anything from back then um i don't remember too much but I, i do remember when we arrived in turkey and I, I just know that my parents felt a lot of relief, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, our original destination was actually to go to Italy. Um, and my dad had us smuggled on a boat, leaving Somalia to on our way to Italy. But we obviously did not end up in Italy. So we were, <laughs> I dropped off in a random location. It's like, yep, here you go. And then little did we know we're on the coast of Turkey. Uh, surprise for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so... In, in pretty much like just in Europe in general, if anybody shows up to a, a different country, they, they're kind of required to take you in and you can request asylum. You're running for your life, right? There's, there's war where you came from, famine and whatnot, and they're required to take you in. And we were taken in and the UN, we were registered with them as refugees um, that we, we, we ran from our home um, with everything going on. Um, and it took us five or so years to be relocated to the United States. Okay. Well, you know, I was really curious why Turkey. So all of that makes sense now, right? The yeah. way like you didn't even choose that, but 
having coming from the situation that was happening back home and finding yourself there, that must have been a relief. And, uh, you know, I mean, kudos to your dad for and your parents, honestly, for their bravery, because that that, take, wa- that takes wild. a lot. That, that takes a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, what was life like in Turkey? Where did you leave? Uh, where did you stay after being registered with the uh, UN, UN um, refugee? Yeah. So we, we initially were in Istanbul, made our way to the capital. Um, there's actually quite a bit of Somalis now that live in Turkey just, just through um, international relationship mm-hmm. recently formed mm-hmm. between the two countries. Um, but at the time, there were not so much... Um, but we were able to connect with a few that helped us make our way to Ankara, uh, which is the capital of Turkey. Um, made it made our way to the UN, and they put us in a hotel for the first few months, and then they gave us our own place um, and kind of just gave us food stamps in a sense mm. uh, in that country. Um, we were able to go to school for the first time. Very grateful for that. Um, learned the language and just pretty much assimilated that it was our time to uh, go to another developed country. Um, so Turkey, most people ask me like, oh, like, like, why couldn't you just stay in Turkey? Why do you need to go to a different country? Right. Um, I think it's like I think Turkey had for us, there wasn't a way to. Like the to achieve like the American dream, like to be able to make something of yourself as much as you can here in America and other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were very grateful to have gotten the opportunity when I remember like we got a call from the UN and my parents were told like, hey, you guys are going to America. I remember my parents celebrating like they won like the lottery, mm-hmm. which was it's crazy to it's think so, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at that point, it's, it's, it's the I I can understand that like that feeling probably did feel like winning the lottery. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. And I and I think like six months later we were told we're going to Michigan and I remember my dad is like my dad can't see as well. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like grabbed the map, it's like, Oh yeah, if we have find me Michigan. Like oh, wow. he's just like trying to ask me where it is and it's like I'm like, Dad, it's like oh yeah, the hand you did that exactly. Yeah. I know. Yep. Little did we know. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hand. Yep. <laughs> Going right in the mitten. I know. So it's like He's like, I'm like, Dad, it's like right here. It's like, right. it's going to be really cold. And mm-hmm. we went shopping for winter clothes yeah. um, right before we came to the U.S. Wow. That's just, yeah. I mean, you and I, we've talked about this story over and over before. And he, each time I hear it, I'm, I'm just I'm just amazed. I'm just, yeah, it's it's a beautiful story, honestly. And I keep saying I'm glad you guys were able to uh, embark on that journey. Because, I mean, looking at my friend group, you're obviously one of the most hardworking and, and one of the most successful. And none of this is to make your head grow big. But it's just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just acknowledging that, um, see, hearing that story and seeing where you're at today, mm-hmm. it, it is it is pretty, um, it's a huge mm-hmm. blessing in a way, right? And so, you know, tell us about that transition then from, from Turkey to Michigan, like settling in, mm-hmm. what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I understand you grew. You were born Muslim, mm-hmm. sure. And how that played into all of that, mm-hmm. and just yeah, just for sure, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so I guess when my family initially moved to the U.S., I, th- the biggest thing for us was like my mom starting to kind of be like the working person in the family. So my dad was disabled. Um, bunch of bunch of different stuff going on, health stuff, just. Mm-hmm. Because of all the stress, diabetes, glaucoma, and all this stuff. Mm. Um, He's been disabled since we've really moved to Turkey. Um, 
not having the proper health care to do preventive, preventative maintenance and yep. all that in a sense yep. uh, caused a lot of trouble that was unreversible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom was the first one to be the breadwinner for the first time, uh, be the one driving because my dad couldn't see as well be the one to drop us off at school and everything. So that was a huge adjustment, Mm. especially for my dad. Um, And I remember we started school. uh, We moved into Lansing, um, Panga Middle School. Um, I think one of the scariest things for us there was to see security guards at the school carrying <laughs> guns i like we just didn't we just leave war <laughs> like like what yeah. is this um yeah. so i think seeing like like armed security guards at the schools breaking apart fights and all that and mm-hmm. it's like i'm like seeing kids getting patted down once mm-hmm. in a while i'm mm-hmm. like i'm like i'm like dad like what, what's going on here at the yeah. schools yeah um so that, that was definitely shocking for us yeah. to be honest yep so when when you got here, because um, you had said you had just basically started, you didn't start even going to school really until you got to Turkey, period, mm-hmm. right? Like you'd never mm-hmm. been... Kind of like homeschooled in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Like whatever whatever your parents had the mm-hmm. time at that point to teach you. What, plus you were only six-ish. We were all kids. Yeah. 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 But um, all that to say, was was English your native language even at that point? No, no. So So my native language is Somali. And most Somalians, um, because they're also Muslim, uh, they also speak Arabic. Mm-hmm. So back when we were younger, we also spoke Arabic. I, I can no longer say that I speak Arabic. Because That's gone by the wayside. Exactly. <laughs> same, same with Turkish, to be honest. Like, I was very fluent. Like, we've lived there for five years. I went to the school there for five years. I was very fluent. I, I get around just fine. And then I cannot speak any of it. I mean, I still hear you speak every now and then on the phone, though. Like well, that's me speaking Somali, not Turkish. Okay. Um, so I speak fluent Somali still just because my parents, that's their number one language. Mm-hmm. And right. we can... That's like um, the, the household language. More exactly. Than exactly. It just comes more naturally exactly. for everybody to communicate yeah. that way. <laughs> but I, it does, though. But I think the funniest part, though, for me is like I'd be on the phone... Right, and my friends are like, I understand like one or two words every out of every ten. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> yeah. Remember what happened one time you were talking to your parents and I was by you. Yes, yeah. yeah. So he he's talking to his parents and um, I said something back in in Somali. In Somali. I can't remember what I said, but it was their native language. And so he paused and he looked at me and his brother, Abdul, was there too. And they all just lost it. They just started screaming like, ah, the whole time. They were like, this dude, what, what did you just say? How did you know that? Know. And it was just from hanging out with them for, for so long that mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I, I got to do it. And it, it, it is, it's a beautiful language, right? It just tells you about some of those. Uh, we talk about how diverse this country is because mm-hmm. it, it, it is, you know, a melting pot, pot right? Just people from all over the world speak mm-hmm. multiple languages. I, I don't think I've seen as many people elsewhere with, with, from diverse backgrounds here than I've ever seen anywhere else. I mean, most of the people that live in America, like you trace it back, I don't know. I don't know. You figure out mm-hmm. X number of generations. They weren't. They're not from here. They're not. Everyone, very few, everyone, everyone oh, yeah. I guess what, what is what is being from somewhere? Right. I don't yeah. know. That's I mean, I guess concept. besides besides the Native Americans, everyone else yeah. pretty much yeah, came from I somewhere. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Yep. But um, so I mean, what kind of you're you're what about ten or eleven at that point when you're going to yeah, yeah. school in Lansing? So I think when I came here, I was like eleven or twelve. Um, started like seventh grade 
I think to this day, like I, I realized they put me in a grade uh Lower? Lower. Yeah. So, so you're a little old? I was no, actually no. <laughs> they put me in a grade higher. So I was you, a little you I was a little young. young. Okay. So I graduated early. One of the bummer. You were that parts intelligent. Of, I wasn't smart. No, <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody just messed up. I, was, <laughs> I think one of the bummer parts for me was I couldn't drink with my like classmates uh, in college until like almost end of senior year. Brutal. And I was like, this is a horrible feeling. So final semester, I could finally drink with my project mates for school. Hmm. And everybody's like, yeah, we've been doing this for a while now. I know, I know. <laughs> I've been really missing out. Yeah. Trust me, you probably didn't miss out on yes. much. Yeah. So, yeah, so are you still Muslim? I understand you're born Muslim, uh, right? So I was born Muslim. Um, my parents were as well. Um, and when we when we first moved into the U.S., um, we were still Muslim. Mm. And even through our first year, um, we, we became Christians, I think when we moved to Cedar Springs, that's a whole different story about Cedar Tucky. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for that word. That's, that's a wild transition to go from Somalia to Turkey yeah, to Cedar Springs. Yeah, <laughs> Cedar Turkey. You wouldn't believe how many people ask me that transition. I'm like, ask my dad. Yeah. Um, no, but I think <clears throat> so. The move to Cedar Springs was we were fortunate enough to get Section Eight housing um, for our family, um, and. We moved to Cedar Springs because it just fit all the boxes for us as far as like being qualified to be a part of Section 8 and all that and get all the help as far as paying for a house and whatnot. Mm. And we moved to Cedar Springs. Um, pretty sure we're like the first black family to make everybody else feel welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, it was, oh. it was, yeah. Um, yeah. Cedar Cedar's not a diverse area. No, it's not. It is not whatsoever. We almost had a catastrophe there at the microphone, but he <laughs> saved the day. I almost dropped it. <laughs> way, way to be an engineer. Yeah, I know. Um, but Cedar Springs, though, it's like I think we were blessed to really go there because I remember us kids, we we um, we had a personal tutor and whatnot. Um, I, I, I think all of us siblings, I don't think we would be as like successful like, in a sense without Mrs. Marquez, which was our tutor at the time. Um, she did a tremendous job. I mean, we're still connected with her to this day. Um, that's, that's how much cool. she means to us. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the other things too. Um, when we were in Lansing, we're still connected with our tutor. They used to come over to our house every, every like night after school in the weekday. Um, Bethany Christian services is assigned somebody to us. Um, been a blessing, but back to your question though, about us um, having converted to Christianity. Um, when we moved into Cedar Springs, we had our neighbors just stop by and they just wanted to get to know us. And we're like, well, this is kind of weird. Like it's because Lansing, we lived um, pretty much on, a, on like a very busy street. A lot of the neighbors didn't really talk. But when we moved into Cedar Springs, we're kind of a little more isolated. And it's like the neighbors really all get to know each other. Um, so we kind of really got into that community um, and us kids were just involved in like the Sunday school, um, going in with the other kids, mm. uh, to church with them. And just, we were just invited along and we loved the atmosphere and we were always coming home and talking to our parents about, Oh, we had a, such a great day. Um, it's like, Oh, what'd you guys do? Like, Oh, we did this, we did this. We heard stories about this and this and this. Um, 
and they started coming with us after a year of us doing this. Um, so we slowly got into it with our parents coming to church services and whatnot. But the reason why, like, we were drawn in even more uh, to obviously convert, right? It's a big step. Um, so my dad really grew up, um, okay, I guess we got to back check a little bit. So in Africa, right? So we've, Africa was kind of like conquered in a sense by the European nations. Um, so in Somalia, there was a lot of Italian or British influence, depending on what part of Somalia you're from. Uh, and for us, Italy was dominant uh, in our area. So my dad grew up in like Catholic schools um, and the Catholic influence in a sense. He speaks mm. Italian. Mm. Um, so he, he really grew up in Christianity in a sense uh, since like he was young. Um, so when we came over and he, them starting to go to church with us, it just was a, a connection for him that really made sense for him. Um, and we were kids. We didn't really know too much. We Obviously, as kids, we weren't really practicing our faith as much mm-hmm. as our parents were. Right. Yeah. So we were, <clears throat> I think over the years, uh, we felt more and more at home and it made it easy for us to convert. No, that's super cool. I mean, it. I don't think it happens. I don't think that's that's very common at all for anyone. I mean, your parents were probably what in their thirties, forties, somewhere in there. I mean, when we were converting. Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad was kind of old. I mean, what, <laughs> even even further to that point, though. Yes, I mean, thirties, forties, fifties. Correct. Mean, at that point in time, like I think about my own convictions. Mm-hmm. Like it would. That feels very weird. Like, obviously, so much is pressed on you with, with the way you're brought up, the way mm-hmm. that you're raised. Um, it's that's a extremely unique story for people to be able and like. Kudos to your parents for being able to be that open minded about faith to mm-hmm. completely turn that on its head and like say, "This is having a major influence on us." Like, let's actually dive in and see what this is all about because mm-hmm. like that's just not very common. Yeah, people don't well, do that, especially I think, now. I would agree. I think the the biggest influence for us, like I said, it's like the community aspect in our neighborhood in Cedar Springs. Like, I remember the Behe family just like came over and just introduced themselves, brought over. I don't even know what they brought. They brought over some food, and it was, like, it's like very welcoming. Oh, yeah, food gets him. Mm-hmm. I know. F- food dude, gets to you, Yeah, bro. I know. <laughs> 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 That's the easiest way to my heart. But, yes, like, it's it was very welcoming and made it easy for my parents to just, like, like feel connected, feel it's, welcome. It, it wasn't, like, a pressure. Like, no, not at all. Not at, I mean, it's the best. Okay, so the best way to get to an African parent's heart is through their kids. Um, so my parents could see us having a great time going to church with our friends, mm. like our neighborhood friends, all the other kids, and we'd come back smiling, laughing, eating a bunch of candy. And it's like, it's like, wow, like my kids are really having a good time. I want to check out what they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that drew them in. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, and, and what, what people overlook is, I mean, that specific family resonated with you because that specific family was different. Mm-hmm. And like people, we talk, we spend a lot of time, like Derek and I are in a small group together. Like people spend a lot of time talking about like, what does it look like to actually be different? And like those people lived that out. Like they, it wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything like radical. It wasn't nope. anything like 
this is it's just this slow thing over a period of mm-hmm. time where it's your family where you guys yep. experience it on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. with their kids because mm-hmm. their kids are raised different and their kids behaved a little bit differently mm-hmm. um and then those interactions between their parents and your parents mm-hmm. and that, that's that's a super cool story yeah. so thanks for sharing that man for sure um so I guess let's spin this let's spin this towards some of some of the unique challenges that came with moving from I mean from Somalia from Turkey over to Michigan. I mean you mentioned the cold that had never been, <laughs> that had never been experienced before yeah. to that I mean, degree, right? Yeah. So we lived in Turkey and that they definitely have snow there and whatnot. Um, definitely experienced the, the cold weather there, uh, but not as much as you do in Michigan. Um, so that was still fairly something to get used to um i think the biggest challenge was my mom learning how to drive i'm pretty sure like the first (laughs) six months she'd been in like two accidents Mm. i don't think she wants me to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) let's not go deeper into that let's just let's just crash that i mean that this is this is a complete like ignorance question just from the limited amount that i know Mm -hmm. um in Somalia, is it like because there are countries where it's illegal for women to drive? Yeah, right? is it? I mean, so my mom, my mom has never driven until we came. She's never even been behind a steering wheel until we came to the U.S. Um, in Somalia, my dad always drove. Um, was is that a legality thing? I don't thing, think or is it's it a legality thing. thing. It was I, just like it was just there was never a need for my mom to drive. Yeah, yeah. I more so like, a cultural thing. Exactly. Right, I was gonna say I don't think that there's really any country in this day and age that bans. Any mm-hmm. sex or to any yeah, drive, probably probably any not driving, driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when it comes to age, there's restrictions, right? But um, I think most of it is really just a cultural thing. There's mm-hmm. some more traditional cultures that are more uh, male dominated, and so there's mm-hmm. certain tasks that males would tend to do more than women would mm-hmm. do, right? Mm-hmm. So it may have been something like that, but I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, I think I think it was for us. It was just like we had one car, and then my dad always used it for work, mm-hmm. and it would just be like he'd be picking up anything. When he was on his way home, and it was right. just, it was just never a need for my mom. Right. Um, but when we were in Turkey, we didn't have a car, so there's no need to even bother with driving. Mm. But when we came to the U.S., like my mom was the first person to get her license, and my dad. Um, so that was a challenge. Um, actually, the other two thing too was having to teach my parents American history so they can get their citizenship. <laughs> did yeah, you, did I mean, you do the teaching? I did the teaching. Okay. Which is kind of funny because I think I think it's it's funny because my parents spoke English prior to coming to the US mm-hmm. and it was easier for us kids to pick it up quicker. Right. And get more proficient. Right. Um and your dad is actually really good at world history because he, he is, and I we've had that conversation is. before. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's very smart when it comes to the world aspect, but mm-hmm. just not American That's history. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it was very much of a blessing when I heard that they got their test and they passed and got a citizenship. What a what a blessing for us. That's one other thing. It's a, such a blessing to be for all of us here in America to be citizens today. Um, we can travel anywhere we want in the world, and it's just such a freedom that we didn't have before. So I want to get to your world, your world travels in a bit. I want to like real quick though, just like my own personal curiosity because it's something I've never <laughs> thought of, like the the U.S. history piece. Like yes, that's a it's a very weird concept to me because when I learned world or when I learned U.S. history, I learned it from the aspect of like this is our history, this is your history. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's telling me that 
this information that is an American mm-hmm. that has a lot of pride in that information, mm-hmm. and they're telling it to me to instill also pride in me about where the U.S. has come from, and to learn from that to grow that to make it better so that we can keep our our country growing in the right direction. Obviously, mm-hmm. as as somebody that does that was learning that that like doesn't necessarily like you didn't have the ties to america from like mm-hmm. the age of like you start learning u.s history from i don't know like 10 onward or whatever mm-hmm. somebody that didn't have all of that like i'm from america this is where my country was yeah. from like you wouldn't think of it at that point yet as like my country mm-hmm. what was what was that like um i mean i guess for me like like learning what democracy was about like i, I think i think for me my english was never good enough until like high school like so at seventh grade is when I started, like, first first time going to school here in America. Um, probably say 10th grade was when really in my schools, like, they counted my grades, like, the end of the class, like, the semester, they would actually grade me as opposed to just giving me, like, a pass grade without a real, um, like, measuring of my skills um, just because I didn't speak the language. But taking government and civ- civics in high school, that's kind of my first real exposure to American government, in a sense, and learning what democracy is about. It's not really something you learn as a kid. Like, I didn't really have my parents teaching me that. I just, I think it's a blessing for what we have here, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hadn't had exposure to it yet. I mean, not really. Not, I mean, I guess Turkey, you could say, we've had exposure. Yeah. But, but even that was, like... They were very well into adulthood at that point. Like yes. they, they certainly hadn't been raised like yeah. thinking about those types of concepts. Yeah. Like that's not something that's like very probably widely talked about. Yeah, I, I think I think when when we like Somalia before the Civil War was pretty much democratic. Uh, after the Civil War and everybody just running around like everybody trying to get a hold of power, power in yep. a sense mm-hmm. yep. that's what caused problems for us i think i think when when the european influence kind of just uh slowly dissipated leaving nobody in control right because they 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 came over took over put people in power all of a sudden they're gone and those in power no longer are seen like oh like who are you in a sense is what happened and now everybody's running for the seat mm-hmm. um so that's what we were used to seeing. Yeah, no, I think we're going to need a whole episode to talk about yeah, <laughs> what the Europeans did over there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, switching gears right now to, you know, all those experiences to where you are today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, you're obviously one of the most hardworking guys that I know, right? And I always commend you for that. Uh, but a couple of years ago when COVID first hit, uh, I remember we were on a guy's trip, right? We were driving right downtown Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and I was sitting right next to you in the Ford Edge. You got this call, and mm-hmm. I overheard the conversation, but right after that, your, your mood changed instantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, you had just been let go from a company that you had really put in your all mm-hmm. into. You were really mm-hmm. committed and devoted to that. So um, just, again, we talked to our buddy Mitch here a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, and we kind of heard how he processed that. I'm just curious mm-hmm. to know, how, how did you take that news? How did you process that in the moment? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so I don't really want to name the company, but I, I've worked with this company for since I was an intern, like in sophomore year in school, mm-hmm. since like 2016 till, I don't know, like for, I think four and a half years I worked there. Um, I really felt at home there. I made a lot of friends there. Um, 
was my first like real job. So I was really proud of that job, to be honest. Um, it kind of really like hurt, I guess, when I got that call and I was actually on vacation with Derek. <laughs> um, like he said, like my mood really changed because I was like, I did not expect that coming. But that week prior, I remember a lot of the um, older guys in the office having been let go. And I was like, like, wow, like I cannot believe like these guys who have been here since for like 40 years got let go. Like my heart was really with them. I was like, I did not. I was like, what's going on? And that was like when COVID was really taking off and manufacturing was dying down. So this company needed to let go a ton of people just to stay afloat mm. in a sense. Um, so I was one of those unfortunate people that needed to be let go. Um, really hurt, but I think I was out of a job for a month till I found my next one. And that month kind of just gave me a new perspective just to find new hobbies and, and, and just kind of take time because I've never really taken time between school and starting to work and this was my first time really taking the time and 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 exploring more of who I am as a person um so I started fishing with Derek and I started reading a lot of hammock and just yep. kind of just doing me for a little bit yep no that, that was great I I think that um uh right when that happened I think we had a hard time getting his mood up through the trip and you know you picked up right away at our next stop and even after coming back home you were able to really you and I had really deep conversations then just within that transition, right? And one thing you just mentioned about, like, you know, you being in the middle of that, but not really thinking about yourself right away. You're thinking about your co-worker who has been there 40 years and being let go right now. So that, that really shows some level of empathy and speaks really just highly of a personality. And um, that's just another perspective I didn't even catch back at that time. So that's that's phenomenal. What would you say were some of some of the lessons you learned during, I mean, immediately after that call and then kind of that month's time frame in between and mm-hmm. then I guess even now that you can look back in hindsight even? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, I, guess, I guess for me, like, huh. so when, when, I, when I work for a company, usually, like, I always took work home and... I, I really put my A game into it. Um, so one of, one of the things that I've learned, maybe this could be a negative, I don't know. But usually, like, <laughs> I, I I made a decision for myself at that time where I was like, I'm not going to take work home. I'm not going to, like, I'm going to really separate work-life balance in a sense. Make, make it, mm-hmm. like, focus on myself a little more where I don't put all of my effort behind a job that can easily just turn on a switch in a sense and let me go um so that that's kind of the biggest thing that i've learned from it avoiding avoiding putting your self-worth in your occupation exactly because i mean you're talking to you i know you believe this i know i know you were raised this way like you're you're way more important than whatever it is you're doing eight to five or whatever whatever those hours are right like your your identity is not rooted in your job exactly yep exactly it doesn't make or break me right i mean that i think you were how old are you 24 at the time 25 something Uh, like that i think i was 23 23 23 i mean to to have that experience at 23 i mean that's something that people in their 60s don't have like there Mm -hmm. are people that literally don't know what their identity is outside of what they do outside of what they think they're contributing and to have Mm -hmm. to have that revelation at 23 and say like 
I am more than what I do and I'm more than than what my my business card says that I am. Mm-hmm. Like that's a powerful place for a twenty three year old to be. Mm-hmm. Like the the realization to do that. It's freeing is what it is. It is. Like it gives you, uh, and like you kind of alluded to this, it gives you the power to go do what you want to do and not like chase something that you feel like you have to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You know, um, right now I'm going to give our our listeners an insight to our relationship, right? Um, Obviously I call you big man and (laughs) that (laughs) I call you big man and that's for a reason. We we joke a lot, right? Yes. And and for the record, you started by telling everyone your real name because you've got a lot of names out there. Um, I understand you have this secret power. That's how I put it. He, he's got this secret <laughs> power where he, he has this ability to gain and lose weight whenever he wants to. It's almost like a dial on the wall, right? Like he switches it. I'm gaining 50 pounds today. I'm losing 100 tomorrow, right? He's got this magic, <laughs> this magic dial on the wall. Uh, on the wall. And, and actually, yeah, until when, when I first met him, you know, we, he was like, just call me big man. If you can say my name correct, just call me big man. So I started calling him big man. And because at the time he was, you know, he was a little bigger. He was like um, had the chubby cheeks, and we'll just pet really chubby though. cheeks. And yeah, Mark, so, you, you haven't so, seen me when I was at that level. Right. And so it's funny because he's he's got the photos now and he flaunts them around, right? But then he just woke up one day and he tells me, you know what? I just want to be shredded. I just want to be a beast. I was like, okay, um, that's gonna take time. He's like, nope, it's not gonna take time. <laughs> uh, next thing I know, within a month, this guy had lost like a hundred pounds. Like I'm not kidding. And, you know, he came out there, played soccer with me, his diet, just everything, the amount of determination I saw in his eyes, like, it was just unbelievable. Part of me thought he, he, there was something else we don't know about. So I thought he was just being stressed out that he lost so much weight, but I found out, no, it was just, he just put his mind to it. And, and now I'm just curious, you know, like, what's, what's up with that? That was that, like, how do you, how do you have that power to, 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 mm-hmm. to, you know, move that dial? Yeah. Well, here's a trick. There's no trick. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I think I think what happened for me was I went from <clears throat> so I think when we first met, let's, let's start there. It was yep. is at the end of my uh, career at GV, so my schooling. Uh, so I was, I was I think it was right before my final semester when mm-hmm. we met that mm-hmm. summer, 2018, and I think I was starting to to already lose weight on my own um by just stopping to eat fast food like literally I, I didn't even try to be honest it was just one of those things that I had my routine physical six months later or something mm. like that and mm. I realized I lost 20 some pounds and I was like holy cow mm. like I'm not even doing anything so I'm like what happens if I actually try now right so I think yeah, I don't know if I should be putting my weight out there, no, but you, 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 you don't have to. No. <laughs> no, but just just to put it in perspective, yeah. like I think in a matter of a year, I lost like I think like eighty pounds. That's insanity. It was crazy. I mean, especially like I haven't known you that long. I've known you for two, three years, mm-hmm. something like that. Like nothing yeah. crazy. Like I yeah. didn't know you back in college at all. Yeah. Like so, this this version now of you is the only version that I know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean this version. Like I think once I got it down to a good level, I've been like this for years now. Um, but I think I was just like this in high school, which was crazy. So like I peaked in college. <laughs> um, you guys, prime cop co- <laughs> I know. I, I really. <laughs> yeah. You guys can connect the dots of what happened there. Right. Um, but no, so it's it's been one of those things that just like just came off on its own, and then I gave it a little more oomph, and and lo and behold, it really worked. Yep. Um, 
You know, I think what I hear there is what you, you know, your your physical activity, your level of physical activity and what you eat matters, right? Mm-hmm. I also hear determination. You're putting your mind to something to do it and you do it. But also I hear, you know, loving your body image however you are, right? Like mm-hmm. you being able at that time to tell me, hey, call me big man. And like he would like, you know, I don't want to go into all this detail, but he'll do really funny stuff with his body. <laughs> <laughs> like, he would make a donut, right? Like he'll make things it. that he couldn't do now. <laughs> things that he couldn't do now, right? Yes. And yes. Just, just the message of just, you know, that self-image, loving your body, however shape or size you are. Because uh, society almost has a way today to, to guilt trip you, to feel like, hey, mm-hmm. this is the standard, this is the model of body. Sure. But you loving yourself through all of that and choosing what was best for you at the time. And mm-hmm. that, that's really awesome. And so um, that's, yeah, thanks for sharing that story. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> so we mentioned we mentioned earlier, um, I mean, even just the, the story of you coming to America, like just that in and of itself, like you, you were well-traveled at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to hear more because you, like just in mm-hmm. like passing conversations, like uh, we'll talk about going places and you're like, you'll be like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I've been yeah. There. yeah, I've been there. yeah. <laughs> yep. Been there, yeah. been there. So yeah. let's, let's like quick run off the top of your mm-hmm. head. Like country, uh, how many different countries have you been to? Um, Somalia, obviously Turkey, U.S., Mexico, Canada, and that's really about it. Okay. Um, but I've just through my job, I've I got the opportunity to travel across the country. Yeah, to so different states significantly more than countries. Yeah, I've, I've been to a ton of states and cities and all the other countries. Like, and actually, yeah. like, so like been like, there, not like no, 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 I've actually yeah. yeah, like not like people that like are stopping at the airport and correct, they're like correct. gone again. Like yeah. you've actually like stayed there <laughs> yeah. toward like the, a yep. state or a city. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. So. Of of the fifty, how many do you think you haven't been to? Probably like twenty five, twenty five. I I'd mean, say. that's still like that's an insane number yeah. of like, places you actually been. Yeah, like, I, I think most of that too was in the last like two years. Just just yeah. work and and fun. Just COVID kind of just like allowed us to get the opportunity to get cheap flights, and I usually weekend getaways are fun too. I mean, I, one thing that one thing that I've always thought is really cool is like. You and Derek and a couple of your other buddies, mm-hmm. like you guys have this this cool, I guess ritual. Like you, I boys how, trips, yeah, like boys it, trips. It's, yeah. It's just like tell the girls that it's this thing where you guys just literally pile in a car and you're gone. Like no, I, sure. I don't know what kind of like knowing Derek, there's no planning that goes yeah. into it, but no. it's just well, like why, we're, why, we're why, why do you have to plan? Like yeah, you just exactly. go to hey, there's a, hey, there's a flight now. There's roads. Let's go. I found a flight tomorrow. It's leaving at you know five a.m. It's you know. $30 cheaper, let's go. Yep. Or, uh, hey, there's this um, discount on enterprise rentals, let's get it, and mm-hmm. we're gone, you know? Like, For sure. Just That's the life right there, right? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm getting snaps from Derek of like, hey, I'm in I'm in Statlanta. I'm like, Dude, you were in my living room last night. I was like, I'm like yeah, the plan changed. Like, I don't know how quickly you were able to get down there or what you just did, but like, you're, he's he's at some ritzy bar in Atlanta, like just partying up, and he's like, he's like, yeah, it's me and the boys. What? What just happened here? So, White any baby, yep, like that that cool that cool just like free spirit ability of like let's just go explore like Mm -hmm. that's something that i've always admired about you and Derek both like let's let's just go have fun we don't necessarily need a plan we'll kind of figure it out along the way as long as we're with really good people that we enjoy hanging out for sure the fun's gonna find us exactly it's always it's uh, what makes the trips for me is the people um 
So even when I travel for work, first person I call is like Derek. I'm like, hey Derek, like I get the chance to go to like New Jersey. I'm like, I'd love to, for you to come right. if you can. And like, it's like, wanna, you wanna catch a flight here tomorrow night? I'm like, dude, exactly. Why didn't I know this a week ago? I'm trying to plan now. And he's like, yeah, I just found out yesterday too. I know, <laughs> right? I, and next thing you know, I'm flying out there. Yeah, I literally called him like I think it was like four or five days ago. I was yeah. like, hey, I'm going to New York City. Like, you would you love to, like I'd love to have you come over? It's like I've got the place, I got the car. Right. You just gotta buy your flight. Right. I was like, yeah, um, that's really. Tempting, you yeah, know? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so much fun. Like, yeah. especially, especially because you guys both have the availability to do it now. Like, that's what mm-hmm. that's what being in your twenties, no kids, like mm-hmm. just so. Uh, like, I think that's what being in your twenties is like. I think that's what being in your late fifties and sixties is like. For sure. Like when you sure. have the avail the availability, the time, the resources, yeah. like soak up life because there's going to be a period of time where like kids are involved and like mm-hmm. that's just not as easy and. Yeah. Like, or you just don't have the energy then too. Yeah, you exactly. don't have the energy. You don't have you don't have the time based mm-hmm. on like just whatever your job might be. Like you guys are both in a spot where it works right now, and like mm-hmm. it's it's super cool. Yep. So, um, being a a well traveled guy, what would you say? What would you say are some of the some of the coolest places you've been? Most memorable places you've been? Ooh, that's good. That's good. Um, I think. Ooh. Okay, so I feel like my favorite place I've been to, just because I'm more of a, a nature, more scenic person as opposed to skyscrapers and bars. And I'm with you. Yeah, so Hawaii especially. So I've been to Hawaii twice. So um, Oahu and Kauai. Kauai was one of my favorite. It's like, it's almost like we, us boys always say like, it doesn't feel real what we're seeing. Um, the crazy waterfalls. Um, the crazy sunrises, sunsets, like we'd be on top of a mountain and we've got a 360 view and it's all water. We could see the whole island and it's just beautiful. Um, so that's, that's my beautiful spots, paradise in a sense for me. No, that's, that Hawaii's always been on my list. I mean, that's, that's on my list to get to for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially now travels significantly easier. All the mess of the last two years, kind of hopefully in the rear view mirror. So, mm-hmm. right. um, but I think uh, the other the other question I I pinged you earlier today to rack your brain on like obviously you're you're a well traveled guy well being well traveled in today's day and age means dealing with airports yes um, worst airport or plane story ooh okay I've got a worst plane story it's kind of like a, a stereotype in a sense of what you you would think in a the worst plane story. <laughs> so I, I literally was, I was, I traveled, this was when I worked at the other company I just talked about. Um, and we flew into Seattle, Washington for work. And on our way out, there was three of us and our plane got rescheduled somehow and, and we got split up. So I ended up having to get a connection flight to Newark, New Jersey. Um, by the way, first time I saw the New York city skyline, which was beautiful. Um, and I sat next to a baby, like, and that baby was crying the whole time. <laughs> I, I I literally asked the mom, like, can I can I hold him? Like, I I can I can I can just like you know help help calm him down, because she was just doing a bunch of stuff and trying to get a bottle ready and all this. And it's I was hard like, traveling with babies, yeah, yeah. It, for sure. So yeah. I was like, can I help? Like, I was just like, I, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I'm like, <laughs> would I just let the baby just keep? You're crying? here for like what four hours, five hours, whatever. It was, it was like four or five hours. I'm like. I'm like at this point I'm just part of this. Like, yeah, I, I should just you're in it now. Now you're the dad for you know exactly. Yep. 
Um, so that, that, I'd say that's my worst story. Did she let you hold the baby? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And it calmed down too. Oh, nice. Um, so I made a friend there. You're a nurturer. There you go. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. I love babies. So that might have ended up being a, more of a fun story for you than a worse. Well, at first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. As a late night too. Yeah. Okay. I think let's, let's wrap it now. Let's, let's bring it back home. You know, having experienced everything you've experienced, right? Having, you know, having the variety of experiences and hopefully the wisdom you gather from each of this and going forward, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're given the power, say you're giving a magic wand right now to create change or fix something in the world, mm-hmm. what's that going to be? Well... Knowing what's going on in our in our world today, just current events, I'd say I'd say the situation for Ukraine, mm-hmm. like it's it just breaks my heart seeing like so many people leave what they know and what they've known for since they were born, right? And right. It's like it's just sad to see that. So if I had the power, I'd try to fix that. Right. Yeah, fix that. Right. Right. Yeah, I know it's a really tragic situation, and um, I think we gotta keep keep them in the forefront as we think right mm-hmm. uh anything that we can do i know there's been tons of resources out there of how we can be in- involved to help people mm-hmm. so i'll tell people with our phones today it's just a click away to find out how to help um and with that said man thank you so much for coming on here today it was a great conversation no, it's been awesome yeah and I, I really hope your your story you know goes a long way to inspire someone else somewhere and um you know our normal ask is for our listeners listen if you like what you're hearing share with one person uh, otherwise, any last words from you, Mark? I don't think so. Thanks for coming on, man. This has been, for I mean, sure. we have, every time I hang out with you, I always leave, like, I feel wiser. I feel smarter. I feel smarter. <laughs> I feel, I feel like your story really is like, it might not feel like it because so much of it happened when you were a kid and like mm-hmm. your parents were, were really like leading the charge, but your story and the fact that like you are the person you are today is like super inspirational. Like yeah. that's. Again, like Derek and I hit on this in episode one, like it's people gloss over this, I think, and it it like has lost its way over time. But like it, it really, truly is like the ver- uh, there's a lot of versions of it, but it's like the American dream for like, sure. It's it's you and your parents and your entire family making mm-hmm. the most of what started out as a super crappy situation mm-hmm. and not giving up, and now all these years later, like. You guys are in a really, really good spot. For and sure. It's, it's your parents' effort. It's your effort. Because um, even once you got here, like, you could have squandered that. Like, oh, for sure. You you didn't have to go get grades. You didn't have mm-hmm. to keep going through school. You didn't have to keep making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's it's super cool just, just hearing that and, and having that, that perspective. And like Derek said, like, all it takes is, like, our goal in this is to share, like, just because somebody might be going through a little bit of a rough situation now, like, keep pushing through, keep working, keep keep looking for the best because there is a light at the end of the tunnel and like good things can come out of really tough situations. And you're a great example of that. Yep. yep. It is a story full of hope and resilience, right? Like it's no matter where you find yourself today, it's only going to get better from there. And I think your story, it's a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks again for sharing. And I'm really glad we were able to pin you down for uh, close to an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yep. So um, we're going to say wrap it up here and say bye to our listeners. And until then, Stay unfamous.